seated. Hey, good to see you today. We'll, we'll have to shake the weird off, you know what I mean? Th things done got crazy out there, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they got crazy, but that's all right. Hey, you're here, and we're here, and uh, we're going to have a good day together today of celebrating the life of Jesus, right? So let's just talk for a minute. We're going to set aside this morning the series we're on called Man of Hope that is a series about the life of Jesus and about the hope that he brings. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about how do you respond in a crisis. So um, you might want to jot a few of these thoughts down if they stick out to you. But let's, let's just first uh, stop for a minute and acknowledge, you know, what's happened. <laughs> the, the world has changed. Coronavirus uh, has, has infiltrated most of the globe and is now here in our state in Alabama. And, uh, and so this is a global pandemic, um, unlike anything we've seen in our lifetime in this regard. It's in real time, right? We get minute-by-minute minute updates on everything that's going on, and, uh, and that, that amount, that tsunami of information is oftentimes overwhelming. And so we've been overwhelmed by that information, and, and we're grateful that we're, we live in a time where we can be informed so we know what to do. But we, we are in a state of emergency in, our, in the state of Alabama, as, as probably every state is by now in the U.S. And so um, there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, uncertainty about what does that mean and who's got it and who's going to get it and how bad is it going to be. And then you put on top of that the response. How many of you have been to the grocery store this week? Yeah. You, you go over to Dollar General and that toilet paper aisle, it gone. You know what I mean? And I can't for the life of me figure out why, but, you know, it is. And so um, the response is, is a whole nother layer of uncertainty. How will people respond and what is the right way to respond at every level from the national level to the state level to the local level to the, you know, to family level to individual level? So the response is another layer of uncertainty. And then the, the economic impact. You know, we've seen, I've already heard about a few people who've lost jobs. There, there's a lot of things shifting in our country right now. Change is actually unfolding right before our eyes. If you're old enough to, to remember the event, I guarantee you, you remember the event. And that is 9-11. We don't, we don't have to ask anybody, where were you? Everybody knows where they were. And you have to understand, this is this generation's 9-11. Like, like the people that are here now, they're going to tell their kids and grandkids, I remember when you know, the coronavirus happened and we were out of school and all that stuff. Uh, there's this universal feeling sort of that we're unsafe. Uh, several, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to hear Condoleezza Rice talk about the days after 9-11. And here's what she said. If you remember, she was in the president's cabinet and was uh, help, helping our country lead through that time. And she said for months, every day felt like se September 12th because we didn't know when the next attack was going to come. And that's kind of how this feels. Every day feels like the day after we found out because we don't know what the next thing's going to be. We don't know how widespread and how fast, and we don't know the impact. And we, There's just so many things that we don't know. So just as they were after 9-11, it's a whole, whole different thing, but we're living in a time of uncertainty. 
Now, here's what's great about being a Christian. You don't have to know the future to be a person of deep faith, right? Because our certainty is not found in our ability to tell the future. Our certainty is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. So we don't have to know the future to be a person of deep faith at a time like this. So uh, then on top of that, we, we did talk a little bit about response. So let's talk for a few minutes about how people react. Here's some of the ways that I've seen people react. One is panic. Uh, you can take a look at this. Just, you know, I'm going to go wipe out all the toilet paper. And I, I still don't know why, unless they're going to build a toilet paper fort and live inside it, and that's going to protect them. I don't, I don't know. But when we panic, we're driven by fear and not faith. And when we panic, we make worse choices. And now, now listen to this thought about fear. Fear begins in self-preservation, and it ends in self-consumption. The same fuel that fear shoots through your veins to go and save yourself will eventually consume you if you live in fear instead of faith. Now there's the opposite person that we see. I just threw a picture of John Wayne up there because this is the person that says, I'm not scared. You know, I, I, can, I can handle this. It's just a flu virus. I can handle it. That would be great if it was only about you. But it's not only about you. What if you carry it or you get it and your immune system can fight it off, but you infect someone who's hospitalized or dies? Well, it's not just about you. So that's not really a good way we want to respond either. And then there's the end times people, right? The end times people are going to be in full motion during this. And, you know, they're going to be cranking out end time prophecy and we're one step from Armageddon and all of this. And I just want to remind you, the Bible says no one knows the day, no one knows the hour, and that includes this hour and this day and these people. So I want you to know that. And also I want you to know how highly unlikely it is that anyone that you follow actually prophesied that this would happen. And let me tell you why it's unlikely. It's unlikely because the primary usage of prophecy in the New Testament is not future telling. It is to, it is to apply the, the right word of God to the present. So prophecy isn't so much about telling the future. Prophecy is about changing the present. And, and so uh, the, a prophetic word is a word in season, in due season. So we don't want to be those people. Now here's another one. I don't even know if I need to comment on, on this next one. You can look at it there. Do we even need to comment on this? Right? You know, um, there's these conspiracy theorists. You know, the, 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 the Democrats, you know, planted this, or the, or the Republicans, you know, did this. Here's what I just want to say to you, okay? If we as Christians cannot rise above political fodder at a time like this, then what hope does our nation have? Because, the, because they're not going to do it, right? So we're going to have to do it. So this isn't the time for political posts or conspiracy theories. This is the time for you and I to speak life and to speak encouragement and to speak hope and to shine the light of Jesus into a, into a dark time. Now, there, there's one other way we might be tempted to react, and I just call it escape right? It's the person that kind of says, forget this, I'm going to my lake house, hope, hope y'all be careful out there, hope everything turns out fine, I'll come back when it's over. And, and can I just say to you, 
If you're a person of privilege, God did not give you that privilege so that you might serve yourself. God gave you privilege so that you might serve others in a time of need. And so I just want to encourage you, now's not the time to disengage. Now's not the time to separate. So let me give you some helpful information this morning, and then I want to share some thoughts with you from the book of Nehemiah. Um, there is a hotline that you can call in, in Alabama, 888-264-2256. This hotline will give you information about where you or someone you love might be given the coronavirus test, okay? Uh, so if, if you think you might be symptomatic, I would encourage you to be tested. There are two drive through sites that have been set up, one on Acton Road, one in Bessemer. Um, the, the, the website says that you, the results come in, in four hours. Um, so that's a little faster than I've heard anywhere else, but you know we'll see. Uh, th those are the hours of operation. Uh, I got this information from AL.com. You can look it up there. There's other information there we'll post on our, on our Facebook community page uh, that will be a helpful resource to you. So let's talk for a minute about, you know, Kingwood Church. What are, what are we going to do? Uh, well, this is likely the last time we're going to gather publicly for a while. We don't know how long. We don't know what that's going to look like. But here's what I want you to know. The church isn't closing. Heaven's not closed. God's not dead. The church doesn't cease to exist. Whether we meet here or we meet somewhere else or we meet online or we meet in homes or we meet at the grocery store, ministry's not over. Actually, we have more opportunity to do ministry now than we had a month ago. It's clearer now how we can be a movement of hope than any other time. So, so ministry's not over. The church isn't closing, okay? I, I want to make, make that clear. We are going to do everything we can do to communicate with you and engage with you and, and uh, pray for us. It's going to be a long week this week. We're going to be making a lot of decisions trying to figure out the best way to do that. But here's how you can stay in touch with us. If you're not on our Facebook uh, Kingwood community group yet, I highly encourage you to jump in there. We'll be putting a lot of information there. Kingwood students for our uh, teenagers and Kingwood kids for children and families. And then also our Kingwood page um, on Facebook. If you'll go there, we're going we're gonna to offer a lot of information there. Also, this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, Pastor Jason and I will, are going to broadcast uh, Facebook Live and we're going to be talking about uh, giving you updates, talking about current information, taking prayer requests, and ministering to people online. So I'd encourage you to join us there, um, and, and we'll just see how the rest of the week unfolds. We, we will, uh, from time to time, communicate with you by email. So we're going to do it. This isn't, this isn't an off week for us, right? This is a ministry week. So um, we're going to be doing everything we can do to minister to you and, and, uh, and serve you and actually be inviting some of you to help us do that. Um, we've been working on online options for ministry for some time, and uh, this is a little early, earlier than we had anticipated, but, you know, times have changed. And so we're going to be working hard to see what we can offer online, so just kind of stay in touch. We'll have official announcements this week about all Kingwood Ministries, about all Kingwood services. Tonight, we will not have soak and we will not have core prayer. In an abundance of caution, um, and because a lot of people's lives have been disrupted, they've been called into work, there's a slew of people with 
bronchitis, pneumonia, and things that aren't coronavirus. <laughs> and so um, we're going to provide space that people need to do what they need to do, and it'll give us a chance to uh, get a jump start on the week. So there won't be soap tonight. There won't be core prayer tonight. Uh, but this whole thing has kind of changed the way we live, hasn't it? I mean, um, look, I grew up in the South, and telling a Southern extrovert you can't hug people anymore is like telling me not to breathe. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't know how many times I've gone, you know, people look at me, you know, like, I'll slap you, you know, get back. I'm sorry, you know, I, oh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, you know, intuition. And so, look, we're changing the way that we're, you know, we have an operate. I don't know how you feel, but every time I hear somebody talk about don't touch your face, my face itches like it's never itched in my entire, I'm like, oh my gosh. You feel that way? I, I did find it comforting to know this week that even homicidal maniacs are following the, the uh, prescription. I don't know if you saw this. You know what I mean? So you're in good company. You know what I mean? Even the outliers are, are doing everything they can do. All right. Let's talk for a few minutes this morning about how to respond in a crisis, okay? The book of Nehemiah, that's where my mind went when this thing first uh, broke out in Alabama. Uh, many of the people who lived in Jerusalem were survivors of slavery, and they were living in a war-torn city. The gates were burned down. The walls were gone. They were surrounded by hostile villages and criminals and wild animals. Here's the bottom line. They were like us. They were vulnerable, like, like they didn't feel safe. And so that's how a lot of us have been feeling lately. You know, how bad's the sickness going to get? Who's going to get it? How, how bad's the response going to be? How crazy are people going to get? How bad will the economy be hit? How long will it take to recover? We feel vulnerable. We don't feel safe anymore. And we definitely don't feel in control anymore. And times like these are actually a reminder that we never were 100% safe and we never were 100% in control. We just felt like we were. And so times like these reveal that, and that's how people in Jerusalem felt. So what do you do when you're facing a crisis and you feel vulnerable? Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah verse 4 says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So what do you do when you're in a crisis? Number one, stay focused on what God cares about. Our, 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 our knee-jerk panic is to become overwhelmed with the what-ifs and to lock down and kind of shut the rest of the world out. One of the most amazing parts about Nehemiah's story is that he cared when he didn't have to care. And, and although he was in an opposite circumstance that we are, uh, he actually was a thousand miles away from this broken city. He was um, uh, third in command in the nation of Persia. He was living in absolute luxury. But when he heard the news, he wept and he fasted and he prayed. You can tell a lot about a person by what moves their heart. He wasn't concerned about his schedule, about his life, about his comfort. He was focused on what moved God's heart. And what God was moved by, what God was on God's heart, was the people of Israel, the, the, the individuals, the families, and their witness to other nations. And that's what grabbed Nehemiah's heart. 
For, for months now in my own devotional time, I've been ending my prayer time with this prayer. And I think it's particularly relevant now for me and for you. I've been praying, Lord, help me to know today what I can do that will please you the most. God, help me know today what you care about. I want to care about what you care about. I want to I do what matters most to you. And I think that's a very important prayer in a time like this th that just says, Lord, please, please make me the person that you want me to be in this moment. We're in a state of emergency and our community has entered a crisis state. And if we go into panic mode, what's going to happen is we're going to miss the opportunities around us. Let me tell you what I know about crisis because I've been through a few of them. In crisis, opportunities are born that did not exist before. There will be opportunities to minister to people that we've never had before. After Hurricane Katrina, time after time after time after time, we stood in our parking lot and put diapers or water or whatever in people's trunk that came through our distribution center. We, we, we had a lady that came through in her Mercedes who lost everything she owned but that car. Here's the thing about crisis. Crisis is an equalizer. It makes everybody the same, and it also, it also helps us to realize we're all, as humans, kind of in the same boat. So really, whether you're in China, or you're in Europe, or you're in South America, or you're in Shelby County, today you're human and you have the same enemy. And it's the coronavirus. And so it makes us all alike, and what happens is, is it turns the arrows out. And I'll tell you this, our church, because we did that, we were able to shine and reach people we had never been able to reach before. Let me tell you who wasn't helping people. The casinos. We, you, couldn't find, you couldn't find a casino worker. You couldn't find a CEO of a casino. They gone. They're in a hotel room somewhere in another city drawing up the plans on how they're going to rebuild their casino and take more money from people. And, and, and there's a good number of churches that sort of withdrew trying to figure out how they're going to rebuild. And I'm just telling you, one of the ways that you and I can shine and be a movement of hope is we can get back to whatever we need to do when the time comes, and God will make sure that we have the provision we need. But now's the time to turn the arrows out and say, where are the needs in this community, and how can we meet them? This, this is what a movement of hope looks like. See, God still cares about the same things he cared about before the coronavirus. It's just there's more opportunities now. And by the way, I hope that you've, you know, with all the coronavirus posts on Facebook, I hope that you've also found and read some of the same posts I've been able to read of people reaching out and buying other people's groceries and offering to provide meals for children who are out of school. And, all, and it warms my heart. I hope you saw our City Serve Life group post from yesterday who were out in our community serving yesterday. That's how, that warms my heart. That's how we become a movement of hope. And uh, by the way, while we're talking about it, we brought Easter invitations. You know why? Because Jesus is still alive. He's not dead. And we have every intention of celebrating resurrection. I don't know what it'll look like. I got no idea. I'm not sure we'll know till the week of. But you know what? We got stacks of these on our welcome center and I want you to take a stack of them on your way out because if we don't meet again publicly, I don't know the next time I'll have a chance to give them to you. And you don't know how many chances you'll have between now and Easter to give them away. 
And so I want to encourage you, this is a way we can plant a seed. So, how do you respond in a crisis? Stay focused on what God cares about. That doesn't mean don't meet your own needs. That doesn't mean don't do self-care. It just means don't become self-absorbed. Those are two different things. Number two, pray first. Although there was a terrible crisis happening, Nehemiah could have panicked. It just went, get the horses and let's go, or camels or donkeys or whatever, you know, I don't know, Hyundai, whatever they rode. I don't know what it was. Get it and let's go. But before he acted, he prayed. And I think, I think there's a world of wisdom and insight there for us. In times of crisis, it's totally okay to tell God, I don't know what to do. God and I have had some of those conversations this week. God, I don't, I don't, if I'm just being honest, I don't know what to do about this or this. But Lord, I'm, I'm just telling you I don't know what to do about it. Would you help me know what to do about it? You know what that's called? Prayer. <laughs> it's very effective too, by the way. You don't, have to, you don't have to bring answers to prayer. It's not a test. <laughs> it's a relationship. So how do you pray in a crisis? Let me just give you three ways this morning. Uh, the first one is to, is to, I'm just calling it, pray up. And I, and I don't mean get prayed up. What I mean is directionally, the very first thing you need to connect with in prayer when you're in a crisis is not the problem. And it's not what you're worried about. The very first thing you need to connect with in prayer is the awesomeness of God. So I'm saying in, in prayer, the first move we need to make is we need to pray up. And before we leave this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do. Verse 5 says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah's first prayer was to say, it's not about the walls. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about the city. It's not about the people. It's about God. Like, it's about him, and he is great, and he is awesome. And when I look away from my circumstances, and I look to you, I see how awesome you are, and how powerful you are, and how faithful you are. This is about God. I'd also say, after you pray up, pray in. And here's what I mean by that. You see this move all over the Bible. The greatness of God, this revelation of the awesomeness of God, always reveals my not awesomeness <laughs> it always reveals my flaws in light of God's uh, incredible nature and character the closer I get to him you know in a way the worse I look why why would God do that look at verse 6 let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants the people of Israel I confess the sins we Israelites including myself and my father's family have committed against you. This is the part of the prayer where we say, God, show me how broken I am and help me, heal me. In times of crisis, we also have the opportunity to see ourselves more clearly. Let me give you an example. You don't even have to answer this out loud. But if you check the coronavirus update 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 times a day, right? You're living in fear because there is no amount of helpful information that comes out that fast. It's compulsive. I know this because after Hurricane Katrina, 
just shortly after, we had another hurricane bearing down on us. And we thought, oh, no, we've got, you know, debris laying out over three counties. And if this hurricane comes in, it's going to pick that debris up and weaponize it. And it is terrible. And I remember checking the weather. Oh, you know, the, the airplanes fly in the um, circulation every two hours. You can't get another update weather every two hours because they can't provide one. And I found myself checking again and again and again and again and again. So if you find yourself checking for updates, if you find yourself doing compulsive things, like getting 2,800 rolls of toilet paper, you know what I'm saying? Or three pallets of antibacterial soap. If you find yourself, it's a, it's a good thing to try to control the um, com- compulsive behavior. But let me tell you what's even better than that. To ask yourself what's causing it. And compulsive behavior is caused by fear. And so what you want to say is, Holy Spirit, this crisis has magnified a weakness in my own heart and helped me to understand why I'm afraid. And it probably comes from some amount of distrust that you and I have in God. You see what I'm saying? So as as you pray in the middle of this, you're going to experience things inside yourself that are going to be really unique, and you're going to see yourself in ways. you. So I want, I, want, I want to encourage you to also pray in. By the way, it's totally okay to admit you're afraid. It's okay to admit you have anxiety or you've worried or whatever you call it, you know. If we're men, we call it concern. I'm concerned, you know. Hey, look, I've, I've experienced blushes and moments of whoa i wonder what's going to happen and i it's it's let let me say it this way i I, i'm going to put this on the screen because i want you to have it it will not hurt you to admit you have fear it will hurt you to pretend you have no fear admitting you have fear is not going to hurt you but if you do have it and you pretend you don't it will hurt you it will absolutely hurt you so it's okay as you pray in to say god I, I think I'm experiencing fear right now, and then giving that to him. So pray ahead. Nehemiah was a practical man. He knew he had to mix prayer with action. So when he looks ahead, he's not looking into centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years. He's praying about, all right, God, here's what I'm about to do today. Right? I'm about to go see the king, and I'm about to ask him, is it okay for me to get an entourage and go a thousand miles away and abandon my world? I mean, this is, this is a lot. And so he's saying, I'm about to do this. Look at verse 11. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So he's saying, all right, God, as soon as we're done talking, this is what I'm going to do. Because in times of crisis, you don't have the option to say, I'm just going to wait here in prayer until God tells me exactly what to do, and it's 100% clear. You don't have that luxury. You have to act. And so what I'm saying is, pray, rather than saying it's action or prayer, what I'm saying is, pray through your actions. Before you take them, say, God, this is the action I think you want me to do. This is the best course of wisdom, I think. And if it's not, I'm just saying to you, I'm about to go do it. So if it's not, help me. Tell me. Stop me. You know, wave a red flag. Let me know this is the wrong direction. But he says, Lord, I pray you'd give me success today. Give me favor today. So, so here's the third thought from this story. 
Remember God's providence. Here's what providence means. Providence means that God sees everything, He knows everything, and He's planned everything in a way whereby His will can be accomplished. So let me, let me say it this way. In the end, God wins and His people win, and that's what providence is called. Providence makes sure of it. Have you ever heard anyone say, you know, at the time when I lost that job, or at the time when that thing happened, man, I thought it was the end of the world. But looking back, I can see how because of that, I got here. You know what that's called? Providence. That's the, that doesn't mean everything that happens is going to be good. That means that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His providence. So there's this little sentence at the end of chapter 1 that reveals God's providence, and it's such a small little detail, you can miss it. Verse 11, he says, I was cupbearer to the king. Now, how do you get providence out of that? Here's how I get providence out of that. The cupbearer was the third most powerful person in the nation. Now, I want to ask you a question. How would a Jew, a foreigner, a spiritual man who believes in God, follows God, and is a man of prayer, ever make it to the third highest ranking place in the largest kingdom on the earth at that time? How would that happen? That's called providence. It's like saying he was the chief of staff or the vice president. See, don't you see, by God's providence, God had already put someone on the inside who would come and do God's will on the outside to carry out his purposes in Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Here's what I want to say to some of you. God has put some of you in a place of influence. Some of you are inside networks and systems and companies and you, you, have, you have places of influence in groups. And by God's providence, he has put you there. Some of you, God, by divine appointment and providence, will put you in conversations and moments and events. He put you there so that you might forward his, his plan and his priority in this season. He put you there so that you might be a voice of hope. So that's what you and I have to do in this time of crisis. We have to say, God, by your, God knew this was coming. He knew this was coming. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew the coronavirus was coming now. Right? And so by his providence, he has positioned his people in the right place at the right time to do his work. And God has also, by his providence, positioned people in the right place at the right time that will also be a provision of help for you. So we have to remind ourselves that God's providence is in, and is, is in action now. So in crisis, how do we... We've talked about praying, and we've kind of come right to the beginning of action. How do we act? This Wednesday, we were in staff prayer, and man, Wednesday feels like... Right, guys? It feels like 10 years ago, Right? We, we were praying about soak, and we had an f- incredibly powerful prayer time uh, this Wednesday as a pastoral team, and we were praying toward this weekend, uh, and little did we know at that point how different things would be. But in the middle of our prayer time, uh, Pastor Clark reminded us of a scene from Nehemiah chapter 4. So I, I want you to just fast forward the story in your mind. Nehemiah gets permission from the king. He travels a thousand miles all the way back to Jerusalem. They start to rebuild the walls. 
But remember, when there's no walls, there's no protection. So bandits and villains and foreign nations and raiders and thieves and whatever can come and get them. So even as they're rebuilding the wall, they're vulnerable. Even as they're doing the work of God, they're vulnerable. And, and Pastor Clark reminded us of this this week. And I, I went back and looked the verse up because it just uh, stuck in my mind so much. Chapter 4, verse 17. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Right? They did their work with one hand and they carried their weapon with the other. What is that? It takes courage to work when you're vulnerable. It takes wisdom to take a weapon with you. It takes wisdom to say, this is what God called me to do, but I'm going to follow the guidelines and I'm going to protect myself even as I work. So how do we act in this time? In courage and in wisdom. You don't have to choose between them. You can actually use both. And you will be a voice of calm and you will be a voice of hope in, in this crisis time. So I, I'm, I want to ask our, our worship team to join me back here on stage. And I, we're going to do two things before we leave this morning. One is we're going to pray. Um, the other one is we're going to sing one song before we go and, and we'll be dismissed, okay? You may have uh, caught the announcement President Trump announced, uh, declared that today would be a national day of prayer. Um, and I was reminded how many times our country has been um, helped through some of its worst and darkest days because it had a foundation of believers inside it, a remnant inside it that would pray. And I think today is one of those days, and today is, is one of those seasons. So today, I want to I echo our president's declaration, and I, and I want us as Christians uh, to gather together on March 15th, a, a day of prayer, and I want us to pray, okay? So would you just stand with me? I, I'm going to give you a few different things to pray for, and here's how I want you to pray, okay? If you, um, maybe some of these prayers don't apply to you, but you'll pray them for others. You'll pray them for our nation. You'll pray them for our community. Some of these will absolutely apply to you. And when they do, as you start to pray, I want you to reach out and grab them and say, and Lord, for me, God, apply that to me. So I want us to begin, I have five things. I want us to begin first by praying against anxiety and fear. Because that's what causes people to make bad decisions and, and to actually hurt themselves and hurt other people. So would you just join me this morning? Go ahead and, and begin to just play softly. Would you join me this morning? Lord, today we just come together as the church. <laughs> we come together as the church, Lord. And we stretch a banner of peace today over this community and over this city, over our county, and over our nation. God, today we pray against fear. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And Lord, you said, don't be anxious about anything, 
But everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, today we pray for those who suffer with anxiety. We pray for those who suffer with depression. God, we pray that you would be a comfort, a help in time of trouble. Lord, we pray that you would undergird them today and encourage them and lift them up. And Lord, for our own fears, all of us have some level of fear. Lord, we surrender that fear to you today and we declare again our hope in you. Lord, our hope is not in... In, in the people around us. It's not in the solution. Lord, it is in you. We pray for the solution. We work for the solution. But God, in the end of the day, our hope is in you. And we declare that this morning. I want you to also pray for um, healing. Okay? I want you to pray for physical healing and spiritual healing. Okay? We don't want just the coronavirus gone. We want a spiritual healing to sweep our nation that'll change our country, right? So, Lord, today we declare that you are the healer. We declare that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God that heals. We talked about it last week. You, your will is sozo. Your will is wholeness. Your will is completeness. So we pray for those who are suffering from the sickness that you would heal today. We pray for those who are vulnerable that you would heal today. We pray for those who've already been infected and don't know it, that you would turn the tide of this disease off of us. Lord, we pray for those who are, are broken internally, broken in their heart, broken in their mind, separated with you without hope. God, we pray that you would sweep this nation. God, sweep this nation with healing. You said if you fast and pray, then I'll come and I'll heal your land. So God, come today and heal our land, heal our nation. God, we cry, heal our nation. Suffering reminds us how much we need you. Crisis reminds us how much we need you. God, we need you today. Heal our land, heal our land, heal our nation, heal our culture, heal our community. Heal our county, Lord. Heal our county today. Would you pray this morning for those who are vulnerable, for the poor, the elderly, the sick, with people being out of school for three and four weeks, children and teenagers are, are at risk for all kind of activity. And so would you just pray for them today and let's ask the Lord, Lord, we declare today that you are a help in time of trouble. And we pray for those who are poor today, who will suffer as things change. We pray for those who are elderly and whose immune systems are weak. God, we pray that you would strengthen and provide. You said you provide according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that you'll meet all of our needs. And so, God, we pray for the young people in our community, the teenagers and children who will we'll be tempted and have opportunities to do evil that they didn't have when they were in a structure. God, we pray that you'd give parents wisdom. Lord, we pray that you'd just stretch a canopy of peace and protection. Protect heart, mind, soul. Give wisdom. God, turn up the conviction in our community so that we would turn away from evil and we would turn toward you. God, just stir up today. Stir up today. Would you pray for our leaders and on every level? And would you pray for those on the front line, the medical community, first responders, 
Man, so many of them are working seven days a week right now. Lord, we just pray as you instructed us in Timothy that we pray for our leaders. We pray for those in authority. We pray for our president. We pray for Congress. We pray for our senators. Lord, we we pray for those who are making decisions, those who are leading health departments in our nation. Lord, those who have to make choices about the welfare of of, uh, the average citizen. Lord, we pray for the medical community today that you might grant wisdom and insight. And Lord, protect those who who are serving. Protect those nurses and doctors and and administrators who are on the front lines, who are doing everything they can to be an agent of healing, putting themselves at risk. God, we pray you'd protect them. It shall be hospital right here in our community. God, we just pray that you'd protect those that are working just within a few blocks of this church. God, we pray that you'd protect, make their immune system strong, raise them up in health. God, give them peace as they work. Give them peace as they work. Comfort them. Your word says you are the comforter who comforts in all our troubles. So, God, we pray you'd comfort today. Help the first responders, the frontline people. God, those in in government, those who are leading, would you just pray for the churches in our community? Lord, the pastors in our community who are called on to continue to minister and to lead in a spiritual way and to make a spiritual impact. Now is the time for the churches to rise. God, stir the churches of Shelby County that we might all rise. God, stir the churches up that we might rise in this hour and shine and be a voice of hope in a discouraging time. Lastly, I want you to pray today that we would would trust God. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray today? God, we pray that you would fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would overflow with hope. God, we pray that you would fill us with joy and peace so that in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may overflow with hope in this hour. God, we depend on you today. We depend on you today. Our hope is in you today. We love you today, Lord. We thank you today, God. As the worship team begins to sing now, we're going to sing one more song. Would you just stretch your hands up if you're comfortable doing that? And would you just say, Lord, I look to you now. I look to you now. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I worship you today. God, we, we pray on. Come on and pray on.
Hey, I'm so glad you came today. I'm still wearing my bracelet that says a movement of hope. That's the vision God gave us. And I'll pray that this week and in the coming weeks, you'll help that vision become a reality. We love you. We're here. We're not going anywhere. God called us to minister in this community, and that's what we're going to do. So I hope you have a great week. Uh, we'll be on Facebook Live Tuesday night at 7. If you're available, I hope you'll join us then. God bless you. Elbow somebody on the way out, okay? All right. Have a good week.